and talk. Hello and welcome to Grow Up and Talk. This is Alex. And this is Aaron. And that is Emily. She doesn't have a microphone, man. She's if she says it loud enough, she can be heard. Maybe. But because she's not sometimes do that. I scoot far enough away from the microphone where I'm as far away as Emily is. Yeah, that gives Emily a lot of trouble, which <laughs> you should not do. And if you're wondering why this the second episode in the row that has only had uh, Aaron and I, it's because we don't have people signing up to be guests on the show. Hey, we need guests. It just conversation over reading God's word. Uh, you read a little bit, think about it, come in, and we talk about it. So we would love to have you on the come show. Come on, people, grow up and talk. Yeah, grow up and talk. <laughs> you should definitely consider giving this a try. I know there are a lot of people um, that have done this podcasting thing for the very first time, and it's a growing experience. It actually uh, helps you engage in God's word and in I a think different it, way. I think it helps your voice sound better too. I mean, yeah. like I sound way better on this than I do actually in my head. I don't know. Dennis Parker, did you hear Dennis Parker? The one we do with Dennis, man, he sounded like suave. Like he was like, I I wanted to meet him after, <laughs> I, and I already know who he is. I mean, I know yeah. you wanted to meet Dennis all over. again. I wanted to meet him all over again. Wow. Yeah. Look at that. You come on the podcast, and Emily will make your voice sound. Just superb, professional. Anyways, well, the reason we're here is because we believe that lives and eternities are changed when we grow up and talk. Um, We believe one of the best ways of doing this is reading God's word and talking about it, having conversations, not shying away from the difficult topics, asking questions that we sometimes can't answer, but answering what we can and digging deeper into some of those ways that these passages apply to our lives today. So that's why we're here. Today we're going to cover the readings from April 4th to April 10th, which is Numbers 8 through 14. First, awesome. let's do a quick overview of what's going on here. All right. Uh, We just got off of the uh, section of Numbers, the first part of Numbers, where there was a lot of the census stuff, and God begins to get into some um, regulations and rules for consecration and setting uh, things apart and people apart. Um, As we start chapter 8, we see another um, kind of a consecration effort that God uses um, to last week we had the Nazarites. This week we have the Levites. A totally different uh, way that each section of people, each group of people, is consecrated and set apart. And we'll talk about that in a little while because I think it's really, really interesting. Um, also thought it was interesting that there's a mandatory retirement age for the Levites. Like once it, <laughs> and and so we'll, we'll, we'll does that apply that. to us? Well, he, he, I hope not because I'm only so. five years away from the, <laughs> oh, from what it was. No. This, uh, yeah, so I, didn't I don't know, know you were that old. I, it's pretty. It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty <laughs> I'm ancient. Just kidding. Pretty ancient. I knew. Um, I knew how old you were. <laughs> so um, then um, God goes into reminding the people that hey, this Passover thing we started back in Egypt, the whole thing that brought us out of there. Um, you are going to continue to celebrate that to remember uh, where you've come from and uh, what I brought you through. And God makes some pretty interesting provisions in there for the um, celebration of the Passover. 
God's uh, presence continues to uh, go with them in the form of the, the cloud and the fire over the tabernacle. And then he gives them some other instructions for things to build, like some trumpets and so on that they're going to use for uh, both for war and for gatherings of different kinds. Different trumpet blows are going to call them for different things. The first quartet. Uh, it was actually a duet, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was only two of them. So, But... Um, Fine. It, yeah, Israel... Uh, then God starts showing them, hey, here's how it's going to be. You're going to follow me wherever I go. So God takes up his presence off the tabernacle. They start packing up the tent like, they're, like they've been instructed, and they go out tribe after tribe, just as God instructed them, and then they start following God through. But what does this result in? Anytime there's change in the church, people complain. Oh, and so that's what we have here. Whoa. We've got... People went complaining there. because they change locations because they're cha- they, they're, <laughs> they're having to eat this locations. they're having to eat the same stuff this manna which is a miraculous gift from God they're complaining uh-huh. about the manna um, probably and, because it was a big ball of carbs uh, well I don't think it was so much an Atkins thing because they were doing a lot of walking in the desert so they're oh, probably okay. working all the carbs off yeah. but. They did have, um, they, they, they were really complaining, like, oh, we used to have all kinds of different food, and gotcha. this is the only thing that okay. we've got now. Um, so whenever there's change, people complain. When people complain, pastors go nuts, and this is what happens to Moses. Moses goes, what did I do to deserve this? And then what does God do? He provides people from the community, elders, nice. to help out. To, to And it's not like God goes, oh, these guys here are going to be really good. He goes... I don't have anybody good to work with, but you're just going to get... It's the same thing with the pastors too, right? With with Moses and Aaron, and uh, we talked about that last time. But here's these elders. We're going to gather these 70 elders, and they're going to help you out. And um, the reason they're going to be good at what they do here is I'm putting a portion of my spirit upon them. I'm going to take it up from you, Moses. I'm going to put a portion of that spirit on them, and they're going to have the ability to uh, settle disputes and all the things that you've been doing, and it's going to be now divvied up among um, these elders who are part of the who are part of the tribe. Um, it, that there's a very interesting thing that happens with that. God then answers the prayer of the Israelites who said, oh, we wish we had meat like we used to in Egypt. God's like, you want meat? Uh, I'm going to bring you some meat. And he like he literally piles up quail, like piles up quail, like feet thick um, in, among the camp of the Israelites. And, and God's going to go, God said, I'm going to give you so much meat, it's going to come out your nostrils and you are going to detest it. Oh. Um, so be careful what you uh, pray Don't for. the people that complain end up dying? Uh, some of them, yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, actually, God end up, ends up, everyone, he, he gets so fed up, he says, everyone who is at least 20 years old or older when you came out of Egypt, you're not making it to the promised land. You're, oh, it, he says that already? Yeah. Here? That's, is Before they com- even get there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He tells them, oh, and okay. and then and then just real quick after that. this, a lot of them are just toast right okay. there. Um, uh, and then I guess I shouldn't be even, laughing. But. Even in the <laughs> even in the presence of um, Moses and everything, um, Miriam and Aaron still um, like they don't fully understand God's purposes. They kind of. Uh, speak out against Moses, which also is something that continues to happen in the church today. You can have leaders that speak out against other leaders and they cause some um, some uh, dysfunction and so on. Um, then God uh, asks Moses to send some spies into the land, the promised land of yeah. Canaan, where they're going to go. Uh, Moses sends Joshua and Caleb and a slew of other fellows with a lot of cool names. 
Uh, he sends them into the uh, promised land to spy it out. They bring back some uh, amazing fruits from the land, and uh, they bring back reports of what they saw in the land. Um, there are some differences on what was reported. Joshua and Caleb had one report, and the rest of the guys tended to have a different report, and we'll talk about that. Um, and so based on the report that was given, the people start to rebel, and this is where we see God go, I'm sick of this. And so there's a whole bunch of you that are just going to be toast right now. And and yep. that was how okay. they died by a plague. So All right, uh, that, gets us through, that gets us through uh, chapter 14. That is a great summary. So is there anything in particular that stands out to you? You know, there are a number of things, but if we're going to go ahead and a start. Number ah, numbers, and numbers. Yeah, numbers. Whoa. Um, there are, there, there is a myriad of things. There are oh. a plethora, oh. plethora of things hmm. that Let's stand out. Let's think of all the number words that we can. <laughs> I wouldn't want to get too sesquipedalian on you, so. Um, anyway, right, then. <laughs> at the beginning of chapter eight, um, the. God instructs Moses to craft some lampstands for the tabernacle. And these it's seven lampstands. And the thing that stands out to me about that is when we get to the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, we hear that there are lampstands again in, in the heavenly Jerusalem, in the heavenly temple. And how many are there there? There are also seven once again. And so we're already beginning to see some foretelling in the earthly tabernacle and the earthly temple of what is going to be seen in heaven when we get there. And in, in the heavenly temple, the seven lampstands are representative of the seven churches to which John is writing, which is basically, maybe if you want to really interpret it out, all the churches on earth. So these lampstands okay. represent the churches. So um, the number seven is considered a holy number. And I think the reason where that comes from is God creating the earth in, in seven days. That was the first reference okay. on Scripture to okay. to you know a seven being a, a particularly uh, significant number um, because God created the earth. Well, like you say, He created it in six days, right. and then on the seventh He rested, and that's that's what gives it its holiness yeah. is because okay. of the rest, the Sabbath that He takes, yeah. and He's welcoming us, He's beckoning us still into His rest, which is a seventh day kind of a rest for for all of mankind. Um, also in chapter 8, the cleansing of the Levites, which is so much different than we saw last week with the Nazarites. The Nazarites were to grow their hair out. The Levites yeah. are to shave themselves entirely. I want to be a Nazarite. Yeah. Um, I was for a I've short period I've of time. I've seen some pictures. During my time at seminary, I devoted myself to growing my hair out. Yeah. It was beautiful. Uh, okay. I'm telling you, I got several compliments all the time from my fellow seminarians. They were very envious of my flowing mm -hmm. locks. Yeah, I generally don't go to seminarians for beauty tips. So, um, I don't <laughs> well, know how I'm it... just saying, man, all the future <laughs> pastors were were jealous of my long hair. That's because Although most of I, I that's because most of us I... pastors have are bald. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I cut it before I went on vicarage, though. Yeah. Okay. Um, what what stood out to you? Is there anything that stood out to you as hopeful or um, significant in all of this? Well, um, what stood out to me in particular was uh, the Passover celebration. Uh, this is in chapter 9, where 
he's talking about there are some guys who end up touching a dead body and they're saying, should we be kept from celebrating the Passover because we they were unclean? Well, the short answer of it is, is no, we still want you to celebrate the Passover. And so that stood out to me as the Passover is important to celebrate no matter what. You know, God is wants to find a way for his people to participate in these gifts that he gives to us. And again, this Passover celebration is not just like, hey, let's party. The Passover right. celebration is for the purpose of remembering where we've been and what God did to bring us here. Right. And so, yeah, God does definitely want that for his people. And that section, too, stood out for me at the very end. It says, if a stranger sojourns among you and would keep the wants to keep the Passover to the Lord according to the statute of the Passover and according to um, its rule, uh, he, he shall be able to do that. And God makes a, basically, for anybody who is either part of your clan or not, if they come in and they th- say, hey, this is a good thing, and I believe in your God, and I try, I want to celebrate this too, they're welcomed into this Passover celebration together, um, so long as they understand, believe, and do as they... And, and so yeah. when we see that later on, Jesus, as he celebrates the Passover, he institutes Holy Communion or the Lord's Supper. And today we still celebrate that in our churches. And often churches have different um, uh, regulations and rules yeah. as far as who gets to celebrate this together. Yeah. And um, and here, you know, it seems to be historically that God has said, yeah, there are provisions for those who are outside of the group to be yeah. able to celebrate this with you. However, like this isn't just like, hey, everybody come, you know, <laughs> it's, hey, make sure you know what we're talking about and why we're doing this. And if right. you do, then yes, absolutely, you're welcome. We want you to be a part of this. Because when you participate in something like that, what you're saying is that you are confessing yeah, you're and remembering and su- yeah, subscribing is a good word to the things that that community is believing and making up, you know, a part of their, their way of life. You're making that your commitment, your subscription, your way of life as well. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. don't enter into that lightly is, right. is the lesson here. But um, yeah, I just found that really interesting that, you know, God wants us to keep, you know, enjoying his gifts no matter what, no right. matter what the circumstance or situation Keep mm-hmm. remembering your and returning to your baptism. Keep uh, communing together as a body of Christ. Keep praying. Keep yeah. gathering. Keep worshiping. And if you think about, it, especially in this particular situation that you brought up, these guys were quote unquote unclean because right. they had contact with a dead body. What does that mean? This is, means there's probably guys who are mourning the loss of someone that they love or know. And so okay. having to, had to prepare that body for burial and so on, they became unclean. Um, and so think about that, that the fact that even in the midst of mourning, God is calling us into the celebration and the looking forward to and looking back at what he's done for us, that there is no circumstance of death or loss or anything else that keeps us from celebrating and looking at what God is giving to us. So, Does yeah. this mean that God made sort of an exception to his command of keeping clean and celebrating the Passover? It seems to me that God makes continual—I don't know if you say exceptions— but he's okay. continued, like, again, if you're outside of the people of Israel, you're not one of the chosen people, and yet God says, hey, right. there's a way for you to come in. Yeah. He's constantly making, 
he's constantly making ways for us to become a part okay. of what he wants. He's he's not. We get this idea sometimes that he sets up this big exclusionary thing, and there's this like, oh, you better know the secret code, the secret password, or whatever to get in. But the the idea is through Jesus, there is a door. There through his yeah. plan, there is always a way. And there's and if you are far away from the way, God's gonna give you neon signs and arrows to the way to get in and uh, and he wants us all to yeah. be a part of it yeah well and i've heard it said a lot you know we say that god doesn't change mm-hmm. and i think what we mean by that is god's character does not change mm-hmm. he definitely has changed how he has acted in history and the incarnation of jesus jesus coming down to earth taking on human flesh is the biggest change of all time mm. and so god changed in that way mm. but his character did not change would you agree with yeah most I mean, of that I, I think it's i think it's hard for us to put ourselves in the place okay. of god yeah because when you talk about an omnipotent which is a big word but all-powerful being an omnipresent which means he's is everywhere and omniscient he knows everything um if i know everything if i know what's coming up if i know the end of the story can i change my mind if i already know what's going to be happening i don't i don't know how that works and i don't know that i will ever know but um i i think that for our purposes god at times shows anger yeah and so that not because he needs to be angry but that we need to see it and okay. I think at times then God shows a relenting from that anger, not because somehow he's necessarily changed, you know, but he needs us to see that there is, there's always a room for reconciliation, restitution, and coming back to him. Okay. That's, that's just my own kind of thought on it. And yeah. different people think different things. Um, you know, sometimes it looks like Moses prays and God changes his mind. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's hard for us to I, I really yeah. fully, this is one of the things with this grow up and talk podcast, you know, we're going to talk about the hard things and when we don't know, we're going to say, we don't know on this one. I really don't know. I don't yeah. know if God does change his mind, can change his mind, if that's even possible. Some people say yes. Some people say no. And I'm okay with saying, I don't know. And just trusting in God. I have a harder time saying, I don't know. And trusting in God admittedly, but But anyway, uh, no, we don't know about that. But what we do know and what's clear from this Passover section that has stood out to both of us, what's clear from uh, our discussion about, you know, God, you know, changing his mind or not, whatever, is that God has in mind his people. He's always thinking about people because he always wants to be with us. He always cares about us. He, he's you know he's always going after us mm-hmm. in that way, and I think yeah. that shows and what we were talking about and uh, this section of scripture. Right. Well, since we're on the part still about what stands out to you as maybe um, you know uh, neat or whatever, um, the the silver trumpets. You talked about the quartet with okay. it's two silver trumpets, right? Whatever. So it's a duet. So I'm gonna just keep pounding you on that, but. Um, the Jesus or God says this um, to Moses. He says, "When you go to war in your land against the adversary who oppresses you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets." He also says, "On the day of your gladness, also at your appointed feasts and beginnings of your months, you shall blow the trumpets." It's interesting to me that God doesn't say if. He doesn't say if something bad ever happens. He says when. Uh, yeah. When you go to war, because you will. This will. This is how you're going to do it. 
when you have a great feast, because you will, this is how it's going to happen. When there's a celebration, this is what you're going to do. God does not promise his people that there will not be war. In fact, he seems to do the opposite. There's going to be war. Here's how you can trust that I'm going to go with you. In fact, the very last part of it says, they shall be a reminder um, uh, of you before your God. These things will be a reminder uh, that I am in control and not you. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to lead you into war and I'm going to lead you into times of peace and gladness and feasting and so on and so forth. So the fact that God doesn't just confront issues as they arise, God knows the issues and he says, eh, all right, we're going to go into this and I'm, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, yeah, I know it. Also, there's a pillar of, or there's a cloud and, uh, over the tabernacle by day mm-hmm. and then fire over the tabernacle by night, and then when that cloud or fire moves, that's when all of Israel just packs up and, you know, marches on to the next location. And so something we often think about is, or I've always thought of the cloud and, and the fire leading them to Mount Sinai, but I've often forgotten about how God continued to do that after Mount Sinai, all the way up to the promised land. And even the whole thing with the manna, yeah. uh, you know, he continued to do that, that, you know, the whole way there. Well, it's like, is like the rest, like being a parent, right? Yeah. We, as we are parents to our children, we continue providing stuff for our children, even when they complain, even when they don't like the way it tastes, even when they won't eat it, even when they defy us and say that they hate us, we continue to lead them and we continue, even when they, you know, question our existence, if you want to say that, <laughs> um, or at least our validity, um, they, we, we continue to guide and love and lead them and we may get angry at times and, uh, but we continue to give them what is good and necessary for them. And, um, and we, we may not have the uh, fiery presence that uh, God has, but I know I can have a fiery presence with my kids sometimes uh, as I lead them <laughs> from one place to the next. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the battle cry that Moses gives as they do uh, go. I, I say battle cry. It's not really a battle cry. It's whenever the... Whenever the it says, whenever the ark set out, which means God has taken his presence up and begun to lead them, Moses said, Arise, Lord, and let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee before you. And, um, and then when it rested, he said, Return, O Lord, to the ten thousand thousands of Israel. I like that every time that God's presence went up or came back, this kind of same thing was said, this refrain. Um, today in church, as I spoke the benediction, I went and I, uh, and I started, uh, uh, to sit down in my seat and my daughter had just heard the benediction and she goes, I memorized that part. I said it at the same time you said it. And I was thinking, you know, that's really cool that she's heard it enough that that's become part of something that she knows. And I think we probably don't do that enough in our society today. I saw her mouthing the words. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, That was cool. You know, one time my son, this was early on in our time here, but you were preaching and he was sitting in the row and he was imitate. He was using his <laughs> hands to imitate you <laughs> as, as a preacher, but he has never done that since Yeah, uh, for me or you, but uh, <laughs> that was really funny. I'm easily yeah. mimicked. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Is there anything that gives, you know, is maybe concerning or confusing in this, 
portion that we're looking at today? Well, there's a few things, you know, the, the complaining of the people is one of those things that might yeah. be, um, cause again, they had a pillar of cloud and a pillar <laughs> of fire to make it obvious. Hey, God. but even with that presence, people got distracted and they didn't trust God. Yeah. We often would probably say, Oh man, if there were a pillar of cloud right. and a pillar of fire to follow, I'd be set. I'd be gold. But we don't. We've got we've got God in some very obvious ways too, and we don't follow Him, and so that to me, you know, is uh, maybe it's concerning to me because we see it thousands of years ago here happening, yeah. and we still see it happening today, and so that's a concern, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I have thought about that a lot. I have thought like, oh, you know, if if God. I've said, you know, God, just give me this crazy sign. Make it, like, so obvious to me. You know, when I've experienced times of doubt, I've especially prayed that. Mm-hmm. Um, a v- person very close to me encouraged me to instead pray, Lord, open my eyes to yeah. your revealing, rather yeah. than, you know, the special way of revealing himself. Um, but that takes me back to, like, the story that Jesus tells about the rich man and Lazarus, mm. where... The rich man, or Lazarus, is is always begging um, for money or whatever. Uh, he's always hanging out with dogs or what, you know, because he's yeah. just on the side of the street. He's basically then, a homeless person yeah. in front of the rich okay. man's house. Yeah, yeah, right? in front yeah. of the rich man's house. I forgot about that. And the rich man and Lazarus both die. And it's important to to make sure people oh. know this is just a parable. This is not an oh, actual yeah. like people that Jesus is talking well, about. Well, there is some he's debate deba- over whether it's a parable or not. Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> because I, Jesus doesn't start out by saying that it's a parable. Okay, okay. but. Personally, I do believe that it's a parable. However, I think we should be careful not to. I, I think we should be careful to not dismiss it. Yeah. To not dismiss the reality that Jesus is talking about sure. of heaven and hell. Yeah. Which can be a temptation if we're thinking of it. Oh, oh it's just a parable. It's right. just a parable. But Jesus is talking about something very real, which sure. is heaven and hell. Um, but I do think that it's a parable, and the rich man goes to hell. Um, the Lazarus goes to heaven, to paradise, and he's with uh, Abraham, I believe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the rich man can see Lazarus hanging out with, with Abraham and being yeah. in paradise and all that. And he, I think, talks to Abraham and says, you know, go and send somebody to tell my brothers and my family that, you know, basically I was wrong. Like go and tell them so that they don't have to endure this hell that I'm enduring. And Abraham says they have Moses and the prophets, Mm -hmm. which is essentially the old Testament. They've got the Bible. Yeah, They've got, yeah, their scriptures. So if they don't believe that, neither will they believe someone who has been raised from the dead. So Mm -hmm. in other words, he was saying, uh, send, Lazarus or, or somebody else right. who had died to go and tell them. But Abraham's saying, well, they don't believe the scriptures, so they're not going to believe somebody who has risen from the dead, which mm. points to Jesus rising from yeah. the dead. Yeah. And uh, so essentially if that tells us if we don't believe the scriptures, which tell us about a guy rising from the mm. dead, if we don't believe in him and Jesus, then we're not going to believe any yeah. big sign that just comes our way. 
And later we hear from St. Peter who saw Jesus in his glory on the Mount right. of Transfiguration. And Peter says, we saw all that and we heard God's voice from heaven, uh, but we have something greater. We have the scriptures written down for yeah. us, which is bigger for that us. That is, uh, oh uh, man, I struggle with that a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So um, the next section there, though, too, about the elders that are appointed, because when these people start complaining, Moses goes, how, why me, God? Like, what I did not give, <laughs> I did not give birth to these people. I, they're not my children. Why am I responsible for this 600,000 yeah. people <laughs> who is complaining? And God says, you know what? I'm going to give you some people to help and I'm going to put a measure of my spirit on them just like it's been on you. Yeah. And so Moses <clears throat> is, con is commanded to go call these elders together from the tribes, these elders that have been set apart for this. And uh, there are 70 of them. Apparently only 68 of them show up to where they're to the meeting to the elders meeting that they're supposed oh, to have. Yeah, right? that's right. And, and God puts a measure of their spirit on all of them and they all start to prophesy for a while and they stop prophesying. Well, the two Eldad and Medab who were back in the camp didn't show up to the meeting. They start prophesying where they are too. And oh. Joshua hears this. And he goes, he runs to Moses and he goes, we got to make them stop. Like they're doing this crazy prophesying and stuff in the camp. They shouldn't be doing that. That's your job, Moses. And Moses goes, are you, are you jealous for me? Like, don't be jealous for me. I wish that everybody in this camp would be able to prophesy in that way. Yeah. And so one of the things that points that out to me is like a servant of God can't be jealous over another servant of God's gifts. Um, mm. And you know, like, like you are better than I am at a lot of stuff. And for me to be jealous about that is ridiculous. I need to be praising God that you are so good at those things. And, you know, and vice versa, like, you know, Emily too, you know, you're so good at some of the things you do. I wish I could sing like Emily. But for me to be jealous over that is ridiculous. Rather praise God and encourage her and help her to do it even more so that the things that I'm good at that she's not, you know, we'll be able to round each other out and just be a, a valiant force for God's kingdom. Yeah. Well, I think you model that really well. You're very good about... Um, don't bug your eyes out at me. <laughs> I'm encouraging you, man. Uh, thank Listen you. to it. Thank Take you. your compliment. But anyway, I, I do think that you're, you're good at modeling that uh, kind of attitude. And that's really the attitude of the Holy Spirit, the mind of Christ that Paul urges us in the New Testament. Paul, mm -hmm. the apostle, urges us to have, which is one that is glad about the ways that God is working through people, the, uh, an attitude that sees Jesus working in people and points that out. And, uh, that's something that gives me great hope in this passage is the Lord giving his spirit over many different people. He's not being impartial. He, or no, wait, he's not being partial. Yeah, he's just yeah. freely giving his spirit out. And it's, it's actually a foreshadowing, a foretaste of, you know, what what is to come at Pentecost and, and what we have now, the Holy Spirit just given to us in baptism and yeah. just so freely. Um, God's presence wasn't limited, even in the Old Testament, to the tabernacle. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there, there's a... Yes, this is the book of Numbers, and yes, a lot of it is hard to understand, but in this particular section, there's a lot of interesting stuff to look at. And this part where Miriam, who is um, uh, Moses' sister, and Aaron, who is Moses' brother, um, begin to speak out against Moses because he married 
um, a Cushite woman, which he wasn't supposed to be marrying outside the tribe kind of a thing, but he married. And so they start talking like family gossip kind of stuff, right? Yeah. God, of course, hears it. And God says, who do you think you are? You know, um, whether he did something wrong or not, um, it's not... It's not yours to go making gossip in the community. And he actually strikes Miriam with leprosy, you know, for this. And um, and Moses goes and pleads for her and says, you know. Interesting. Uh, but, but anyway, um, the, the fact that this, all the way back in the Old Testament, this far back in the Old Testament, um, this is the, uh, the mantra that God gives us that, we don't talk about people. If we got a problem or an issue, we go to that person. Jesus later in Matthew chapter 18 will tell us, you know, if you've got an issue with your brother, you go to that person, you talk to them. And there's a process. If that doesn't work, then we go to one or two of the elders with them. And if that doesn't work, we take it to the church. And if that doesn't work, well, then we work at, you know, getting rid of them or whatever. Um, Moses, I mean, Miriam and Aaron had not done this, uh, even though they had a good point. Um, yeah. so, so the the thing is like, we can sometimes like, we can know, for instance, I've got Emily sitting over here. I can just look at her and I can know that she is so sinful. And so <laughs> I can like sit here and talk to you about her horrible sinfulness. And it's true because she's like really, really sinful. And so I'm going to talk to you about, but God says, no, that's not what you do. If, if you do know that Emily is really sinful, like as a brother in Christ, talk to her, care for her. Talk to her, not about her. Uh, this yeah. is a big deal to me, so that's why yeah. I'm harping on. And Emily is not a horribly sinful. Well, no more horribly well, sinful than the rest of us. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Way to yeah. bring it around to reality. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think actually I lost my train of thought. So yeah. I'm going to yield it over to you. Is there anything? <laughs> is there anything um, else that you want to hit on before we go to our break here? Um. The very last part of chapter 14, which was the last chapter we did today, um, was where the the people had not been really f- listening. So when um, Joshua and Caleb and the group got back from spying in the land to see if, hey, can we go in there and defeat these folks? And is it a good place like God said it is? They Joshua and Caleb go look like they've got this this cluster of grapes that's apparently like <laughs> as tall as they are, and then they've got you know all of this good stuff and good reports. But the other guys who went with them were scared of the people who were in the land and saying, "Oh no, they're like giants, and we felt like grasshoppers." And they stirred up the people to not believe and not trust and not want to go. And so all the people are revolting against Joshua and Caleb and wanting to stone them, even though Joshua and Caleb are the ones who are really telling the truth. Mm. Joshua and Caleb said, we need to trust the Lord and move in. We need to just go, and and the Lord's going to give this over to us. And the people want to stone them for telling the truth. And so, again, this is something I think that we see a lot. You know, truth is not always well-received, especially when it looks um, counterproductive according to man's point of view. Yeah. Um, And so the people say, no, we're not going to do this. Well, God shows up in his mighty way again, uh, throws things into a tizzy. This is where he tells people, you know, yeah, y'all aren't going to make it to the promised land, so don't even worry about it. Um, But then after God kind of makes this presence, his presence known, and those who were speaking out against it all get toasted, um, the people who are left go, okay, we'll go. We're, we're going. We're going to the promised land. And they just start getting up and going. And <laughs> Moses is like, no, you're not. Like, God hasn't led us yet. Yeah. And so 
first they stood by saying, we don't care what you say. We're not going to go. Then they'll say, we're going to go and we don't care if you're leading us or not, yeah. you know? And so it's so easy to fall into sin on either side of it. That's, that's the last thing that stuck out. So there. then for our lives today, does that mean that if we think God is leading us to do something and we go and do that something and it doesn't work out, does that mean that God didn't want us to do that? I think it depends how you define work out. Okay. Uh, it, it, sometimes things don't go the way I want them to, and okay. God says, this is exactly what I wanted to happen because I needed you to learn from this. Okay. Um, you know, I've got countless op- uh, exp- examples in my life yeah. of where um, I said, hey, yeah, I feel like God's leading me this way. We go this way. And I'm like, man, this is really hard. This is what I was expecting. And God goes, yeah, that's that's what I wanted. I can't tell you how many jobs that I went into and was successful and then lost those jobs. Yeah. And God says, yeah, I know, because I need you to learn from this. Because later you're going to be a pastor and people are going to come into you who have lost jobs. And I need you to be able to talk to them about yeah. that and, and know what you're talking about. And uh, I'm I'm grateful for it now. I was not at the time. Well, I think that speaks to the theme of being led by God, you know, it's important to wait on the Lord. Yeah. You know, it says those who wait on the Lord will, re- will renew their strength. Mm-hmm. God is the one who is leading us. And actually Jesus is leading the church. He's the one in charge of everything. And, um, he calls us to act that way right, and, right. uh, to prayerfully consider things to not just, um, you know, to, to listen carefully, to be in his word, to uh, be in prayer, to be in conversation with one another as we make our decisions and, and checking each other, right. you know, on that. Right. So anyways, um, that's good stuff. And we will be right back after this. From our break and I just wanted to ask you Aaron did you do any deeper digging into uh, some of the facts um, historical details some of the historical details you're getting pretty specific this, now. Uh, I'll tell you one of the things that I that I really liked that really resonated with me that I did look into a little bit deeper was the whole thing in um, uh, in chapter 11, was it? No, I'm sorry. Where where God basically says that he uh, is going to put a little bit of his spirit on these elders and, um, and that these elders begin to prophesy wherever they are, that God's spirit is not bound. And a lot of times I think we do mistakenly um, look at leaders in the church as or, or we select leaders for the church based on like, oh, you've got this background or this experience or this, rather than saying, who has God put his spirit on? And mm-hmm. and have we seen them, you know, quote unquote, prophesy in the camp? Can, can, we, can we say that, yeah, these people are people who are endowed with God's spirit? Because Moses affirms that. Moses says, I wish everybody were endowed with the spirit like mm-hmm. that. So we're not going to, we're not going to stand in the way of them talking. But what happens when people do speak in the Spirit is exactly what happened here. Um, we see them saying things that are counterintuitive according to man's design, 
And God's plan is often just crazy and weird and hard and uh, difficult to follow, and people don't like to hear it. And so we'd rather go find the people who have worldly experience, who are going to give us worldly answers and worldly ways of fixing things, instead of going, oh, no, this spiritual way is going to be the way that we're going to go. Yeah, so, no, that's uh, a, a really good point. And uh, God cares about hearts, and we should too. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of uh, the story of when Jesus' disciples come to him because there are there's a guy or some people casting out demons in Jesus' name. Yeah. And they said, we, we tried to stop them or told them they shouldn't be doing that or something. And Jesus says, whoever is is not against me is for me or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's a very similar story there. Interesting how there's a lot of similar stories, Old Testament and New Testament. It's almost like these things were all written to go together. They were? Uh, just almost, almost like that. It's a Holy Spirit thing. Yeah. And you get a spirit and you get the spirit and you get the spirit. Everybody gets the spirit. All right. Anyways. All right. Okay. <laughs> You didn't like that one? I, you know, I, I don't know. It makes me think of the shack or something as long as we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> You know, when Oprah Winfrey oh, being God yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Yeah. I, I guess I can't have fun on this podcast. No, no fun. No fun. Uh, only only Wasn't Holy that Spirit. the, the lure of uh, oh, this yeah. Grow we Up did, and Talk podcast. We, did we, we mentioned in our description that this was going to be fun. We advertised fun, but then you asked me to be a part of it. And that kind of, those two things don't <laughs> go together. put a damper on things, <laughs> didn't it? Um, old bald guys with uh, beards. Hey, can't trust them with fun. <laughs> All right. How do we see this uh, section having an overall impact on our lives today? Um, for me, it's it speaks to the church. Um we can see, again, uh, we can see our church today reflected, or maybe our, uh, or the Old Testament reflected in our church today, where God gives us abundant provisions. Can you imagine every day, like, you don't ever have to buy groceries again. I'm going to give you manna on the ground every day. And we could say, well, and it's going to be all you need for nutrition, but are we going to get tired of it? Yeah, we're probably going to get tired of it in our bodies. We're going to get tired of it. And we're going to complain against God saying, I sure like it when I used to have corn dogs. But <laughs> but God says, I've given I you everything. Like corn dogs. <laughs> I've given, I saw a jalapeno cheese corn dog the other day. I was like, man, that's got to be good. Ooh, and and today's the last day of it. Too. I, don't know, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, uh, away from corn dogs and back to manna, um, <laughs> God says, I'm going to give you all you need every day, and we still complain against it, and we complain against him, and we then mm. complain against his leaders, you know, and we, uh, like Mo, uh, Miriam and um, Aaron did, we start talking in our little groups and, you know, all these little things that we shouldn't do. And, um, and God is, as you pointed out several times, patient with us, even though he gets angry with some of this stuff. And he uses us flawed people uh, to continue to be his servants. Yeah. But he does insist that we be consecrated and set apart for him. Um, so to me, it's a it's a an admonition, a warning to us about how to act in the church and how not to act. Yeah. yeah. A weird application that I just thought of when we were talking about manna is that God is not a fan of stockpiling. 
because he is very much a fan of us trusting him yep, with yep. the day-to-day stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's not even a fan of us sort of preserving ourselves. Yeah. We see this in the book of Haggai when the God's people are, they're just like storing up for themselves all this, you know, food and they're trying making, to build nice they're houses. They're making their own houses nice yeah. and not worrying about his. And yeah. not worrying about God's house. And then he destroys it. And he told them in the Old Testament, if they hoarded manna, that it would, you know, rot and mm-hmm. there would be maggots all over it. And God is, you know, he wants us to reflect his generous character. It's like the parable of the sower. He wants us to sow willingly, um, freely. I would dare to even say almost recklessly, not worrying so much about um, will it ever amount to anything. That's God's job to figure out. Let God do God's job. We get to do um, what he calls us to do, which is trust him with the day-to-day stuff. Even when these people got really upset about not or frustrated with not having uh, meat to eat. Right. And God (laughs) says, all right, you want meat? You got meat. And he he piles it up for him. You know, there's tons of quail. It says that the people who took the least took six bushels of quail. (laughs) The people who took the least took six bushels. Like, so all along, we haven't been stockpiling manna because God says, don't try to, don't take more than you can eat for the day and it's going to rot. But now God's going to pile up all this manna and I'm going to go like, oh, I don't know. I mean, all these quail, I don't know if he's going to give it to me tomorrow. So I'm going to take bushels of quail. Right. Which, I mean, that just sounds disgusting. Yeah. But so the abundance mm. that we create for ourselves is never good, Mm. but the abundance that God actually offers to us by his grace is always good. Mm -hmm. And it's what's best for us. Mm -hmm. God is offering them the abundance of food and, and all these things through the promised land. But when they try to, you know, preserve themselves or they try to do it their own way, then it just is not good. Yeah. And not only food and food, but like, think about how much protection he offered. Like, Right. How long would you last in a wilderness, right? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. and God takes care of them for 40 years, takes care of them, and they're not defeated by enemies. They are not, you know, eaten by cougars or, or hyenas or whatever. But at the same time, um, God does show them that it's this is because of me and not because of what you guys are able to do. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. 30 seconds. Any last thoughts before we get to our random question? Um. My last thought is let's just, as we look at these things from the Old Testament, let's continue to just kind of superimpose them over our lives today. Remember that it is not because of our gifts or our abilities that we accomplish anything, but only the only good stuff that happens is because of what God does through us. And as he does those good things through us, let's receive his gifts and not um, not complain and gripe that it's not exactly what we want, uh, rather find his glory in it all. Awesome. Very good. All right, you have a random question, as is our new, our tradition that we've developed mm-hmm. on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I recently got back from vacation uh, yes. for, for spring break, and uh, we were in a place where there was snow and skiing and things like this, and there are a lot of people who enjoy that kind of a an activity or a sport. Ah. What I want to ask is if you could participate in any uh, sport of any kind and be 
the best at it, what sport would you like to be the best at and why? Oh, man. I almost want to go with the generic NFL football. Why? Ah, because I just love it. I mean, I had oh, such yeah, good do. memories. You're pretty crazy watching football. Well, fantasy football got me re- into watching. I'm more of a player than a watcher because oh. I enjoy playing games and being competitive. Emily, remember this. Pastor Alex is a player. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. And I got in trouble for my Oprah reference <laughs> earlier. <laughs> Jeez. So unfair. Um, but I, oh man, like, and I just enjoyed being a running back. I mean, I never really was like a superstar or anything, but I, you know, had above average skill with, mm-hmm. you know, able to get the job done. And sometimes I just really had some good moments and I wish I had, you sound like an NFL player being interviewed right now after the game. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Had some good moments. Of course. So you know what? I did really play got out rug- there and made it happen today. <sighs> yeah, I know. Uh, I know right. Just All the didn't bring my statement. a game and uh... <laughs> <laughs> we, we got it done. We got it done, man. Actually, now that I think about it, I did play rugby for two years in college. And so rugby is is such a, I don't know, you just, I don't know. Honestly, you you feel so cool when you you play rugby. You feel so cool. So I'd I'd probably pick rugby. It's it's more worldwide than rugby. What about you, Emily? What would you, if you could be a sports superstar, what would be the sport? Oh, oh, really? You're already a natural athlete, so really, there's nowhere to go from here. <laughs> she is pretty good at Clask. Clask. It's a uh, air, like air hockey with oh, magnets. Okay. It's a little game, okay. dexterity game we've been playing. Nice. All right, Aaron, what sport would you choose? Curling. Curling. Without a doubt, that's a great sport. It is a great sport, and and. I'm inspired by the Norwegian curling team and their outfits because they're just so boisterous and flamboyant. I, I love them. So does that mean that it's all about the if outfit. I buy you a Norwegian curling outfit that is really flamboyant and loud that you'll wear it on would, Easter Sunday? I'd be happy to. All right. Deal. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that's all we have for today. Hey, email your questions to us at growupandtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Any questions or feedback, anything you want us to talk about on the show. And if you're interested in being on the show, let us know. We'd love to have you. We'll see you later. Bye.